Welcome to our podcast here at Trinity West Church. We believe that you will be enriched by today's message. Let's open our hearts to receive God's Word. So hold a marker, place a marker however you can in John chapter 8. But then we're also going to start in John chapter number uh, 18. We're continuing a series called More Than Words. More Than Words. We've been talking about the importance of God's Word, especially in light of current events and in light of what's going on just in our world today. And so uh, this is a, a, such an important topic. In fact, today's message, I think, is is the most important in the series. So I'm so glad that you're here today. Uh, We've been using this text all along. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is inspired by God. And in the Amplified Bible, it actually says that all Scripture is God-breathed. So it is inspired by God. It is profitable. In the Amplified says it's actually God-breathed. So when we speak, we breathe, and the Bible teaches us that when God spoke, and he spoke his word, that he actually breathed out. So we said a couple things, and and just kind of reviewing for a minute, we said, number one, that the Bible is the breath of God. It is the breath of God. We said that week one. The Bible is the breath of God. Of course, it's God-breathed. But then last week, we said this, the Bible is our spiritual bread. And we talked about our strength and and, and the significance of that. This week, what we're going to share with you is that the Bible is absolute truth. It's absolute truth. And nothing can be more important to your life, to your family, to you as an individual, than understanding the Bible as absolute truth. The Bible as absolute truth. And so... I said this a couple weeks ago, it's true for several reasons. Number one, it's true because of its consistency. Think about this. The Bible contains 66 books written uh, by God himself, but authored by 40 men. 40 men that we know of. There's a couple books that we don't know for sure who the author is, but 40 men over a period of 1,500 years. Yet it is completely consistent in that it has one theme, God's love for humanity. And books overlap, prophecies overlap. There's prophecies in the Old Testament, 350 prophecies approximately in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, over half of those come true. Uh, The other half will come true at at the rapture, the second coming of Christ. So how is it possible that prophecies can overlap, books can overlap, the truth, Matthew, Mark, Luke, all these accounts, how is it possible that it can overlap yet be so consistent if it's not supernatural? The only explanation for its consistency is it's got to be supernatural. And the second thing we said is it's accuracy. I'm amazed by this. Think about this. This is so vital for us to understand. Why did God be so specific when it comes to people and relationships and, and, and how so-and-so begat so-and-so? You'll read these stories and genealogies and places. He was so specific in detail that he left himself wide open to be proven false. 
a, a book this specific would be easily to, easy to prove false because all you'd have to go back and compare it with other records and go, well, that's not true. And they've done that. But yet every time they go back to try to compare it with other records, every time they, they try to do an archaeological dig and try to prove the Bible false, they've never been able to do it. Why? Because it's truth. It's, it's, it's accurate. If the, somebody was born at a certain time, they go back, they compare records, they find that it's exactly as the Bible says it is. And then the third thing is its relevancy. It is so relevant. This book that was authored and written years ago, yet still is, is contains so much wisdom for today. And the things, you know, the, the, the quotes that are taking place in our society, many people don't realize that many of the quotes that are taken in life and, and, and you, you hear them, they're from the Bible. The principles have stood the test of time. Everything you've ever faced, ever will face, is in this book. There's nothing that you will ever encounter in your lifetime that's not covered in this book. And so it's a supernatural book, and it is absolutely absolutely true. And the reason why this is so important, because as a society, we are desperately void of truth. There is, in our society, a truth vacuum like never before. And there's a battle that's taking place. There's a battle in our culture right now, and the battle is this. Absolute truth versus relative truth. And if you haven't heard those terms today, of course, we've been talking about absolute truth versus relative truth. Let me just define them for you. Absolute truth is this. Absolute truth is that which is true at all times and in every place. Listen to that. That which is true at all times and in every place. Let me give you an example uh, as a scientific term or mathematical term. Two plus two always equals four. That is an absolute truth. No one would argue that at any time it would ever equal five or it would ever equal three. Two plus two always equals four in every circumstance, at every time. It's always going to come out to the same answer. It's always going to be two plus two equaling four. That's an absolute truth. A relative truth is this, that which is true at certain times in certain places, but is subject to interpretation. And the battle for our lives right now, the battle for our children, our teenagers, the battle for your life right now is over truth. Is the Bible absolutely true or is it relatively true? In other words, is it true at all times and in every place or is it only true in certain times and certain places and is it subject to interpretation? See, the devil will tell you, and some people in society will tell you, that this book is only relatively true. The devil wants you to think that it's not always true. In fact, when he went to Eve in the Garden of Eden, what did he challenge? He challenged the truth of what God had said. God said, if you eat it, you'll die. And what did he say? No, 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 that's not true. That's not true. And he says the same thing to you and I today. Every time we want to believe a truth, every time we want to stand on healing, every time we want to believe for deliverance, every time we want to believe for freedom, the Bible tells us one thing, the devil will try to tell us, no, 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 that's not always true. It may be true certain times in certain places, but it's not always true. And it's certainly not true for you, right? 
So he wants you to think that the, the Bible is only relatively true. I shared last week on the, the dangers, listen to this, of a morality that is up to our own choice. A danger of a morality that, that evolves. The, the fact that I can myself control my own morals, establish my own moral code. And we shared about the fact that in society, people want this. They, they want to be able to control their own morals, to be able to declare what is right and what is wrong. And that's what took place in the Garden of Eden. The devil said, no, no, Eve, you have the right. You can determine right from wrong. You will know the difference between good and evil. And that's the battle that is taking place. And, and many in our culture say, no, 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 we as a society can tell you what is right. We as a society can tell you what is wrong. It's up to us. We develop our own moral code. Well, listen, if I develop or establish my own moral code, then when I sin, listen to this, what I've done is I've given myself permission to transgress my own moral code. Let me just say that again. If I have the right to establish, establish my own moral code, then when I transgress that code, what I've actually done is I've given myself permission to transgress my own moral code. And if I've done that, then, then also then do I have the right to establish the consequences of that violation. I mean, if I can establish my own moral code, then I should also be able to establish the consequences of what happens to me when I violate that code. Now, do we want to live in a society where each person, number one, has the right to establish their own moral code, and then number two, also has the right to establish the consequences of what happens when they violate that code? You see what I'm saying? That's why we need to look to something greater than ourselves. We need to look to something holier than ourselves, better than ourselves, more moral than ourselves to establish that code. And this book right here is what we look to. This is our moral compass. This is our code. This tells us right from wrong. It establishes the boundaries of our life. We do not have the right to establish right from wrong. God has given us this book so that we will know what is right and what is wrong. Yet many people want to discard it as old-fashioned, outdated. Pick and choose what you'd like to believe. And I'm here to tell you that this book's not old-fashioned. It's not outdated, and you cannot pick and choose from it. You believe the whole thing is true, or you might as well believe none of it's true. Amen? Amen? So, so we have to establish in our own life that this book is absolute truth. Absolute truth. So in John chapter number 18, here's what took place, and it's so vital that we understand this. And, and starting in verse number 31, this is, this is the, the account of Pilate right before he releases Jesus to be crucified. It says, Then Pilate said to him, You take him and judge him according to the, your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke signifying by what death he would die. 
Verse 33 says, Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him and said, Jesus answered him, I should say, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? And Pilate answered and said, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Listen to verse 37. Then Pilate said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You have rightly said that I am a king. For this cause was I born, and for this cause have I come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Then Pilate said to him, What is truth? When he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no fault in him at all. What an interesting conversation that takes place. Jesus is standing before the person who has the ability to release him or the ability to crucify him. Of course, in the natural they start this conversation. And Jesus had earlier said in John chapter 14, I am the way, what else did he say? The truth and the life. And Pilate looks at him and says to Jesus this question, what is truth? And then in amazement, He walks away without ever hearing the answer. He is standing before the person who has declared to the entire world that he is the truth. Not just that he knows the truth, but that he is the truth. And before he could ever get an answer, Pilate walks away from hearing the greatest answer to the greatest question. What is truth? And listen to me, he's not the only one who's walked away. Do you know that statistics tell us this? 75% of our kids and teenagers walk away from the church and they walk away from their faith between the ages of 18 to 29. Kids who are raised in church, kids who are involved in church. Did you see that incredible, good-looking group of kids that was on that screen? Statistics tell us that 75% of them will walk away from their faith. Now, we're believing God not one of those will walk away from their faith. But 75% of kids raised in church walk away from the church, no longer attend church on a faithful, consistent basis, and they walk away from their faith. Why? They have walked away from truth. They've walked away from truth. We're no longer teaching the Bible as absolute truth. They get a hold, of, professors get a hold of them, and, and, and ungodly humanists try to teach them and talk to them and say, no, 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 it's all relative, it's not absolute. There is no such thing as absolute. It's all relative, it's all subject to interpretation. And and they start asking these questions and they're not getting great answers. And and the reason is, is because they want to know, but in their striving for knowledge, they're, they're not finding the truth. And they're not being taught the truth. 
And so they walk away from their faith. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 23 says this, Buy the truth and do not sell it. Listen, we have got to buy the truth. We have got to believe that this is absolutely true. All of it is true, and we cannot walk away from it. We cannot sell it at any price. It is the truth of God's word. It is always true at all times, always true. Then if, if that is the case, if the greatest question we could ask ourselves is, is what is truth, then the next question has to be equally as important or as great, and that is where do we find it? Where do we find something that is real? Where do we find something that is genuine? Where do we find this truth? See, here's what's going to happen. I, I spoke of teenagers and kids. One day I'm going to launch them. I'm going to, they're going to leave my house, and, 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 and the day's not far for me. Next year, I have two graduating from high school, and we'll launch them, and we'll send them out. And this week, they've been, three of my teenagers have been in Honduras. It's been lovely around my house. But, but one day, <laughs> one day, and most of you, if you've ever experienced this, you, you know, you're going, they, they grow up to, to leave. The day they start walking, they start walking away from you. So one day we'll launch them. We will, we will launch them as far as we can. And what is my prayer? What is my hope for my kids? My hope is that they always walk in truth. My hope is that they buy the truth and they never sell it. My hope is that they find absolute truth somewhere and nothing, no secular professor, no Christian professor... No spouse, no friend, no circumstance, no sin, no bondage can ever talk them out of this book being absolutely true. That's my prayer for them. Because if they can hold on to this book as being absolutely true, then they will have bought the truth and they'll never sell it. In John chapter number 8, just flip over, flip back a few chapters, there's an amazing account if we ask ourselves, where is the truth, the, the Bible, of course, has the answer for that. It has the, the clear answer of where we find truth. And in John chapter number 8, and in verse 31, it says this, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the what? The truth shall make you free. Verse 33 says, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and we have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Now, sometimes we read over stuff and we just kind of read over it and we move on. But I want to catch exactly what they said. Listen to this. Now, those of you, I grew up in Sunday school, I grew up in church, and for those of you who have some knowledge of the Bible, listen to this statement again. These Jewish people said to Jesus, we are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been in bondage to anyone. 
Think about that. Go back to all of your little Bible lessons and go back to the Old Testament and let's, let's rewind for just a little bit. We are Jewish people. We're Israelites. And we have never been in bondage to anyone. Now, read your Bible. Because in the Old Testament, they were in bondage to everyone. I could list 10 or 12 nations that held them in bondage. They were constantly in bondage. They were in bondage all the time. The Egyptians held them in bondage. The Philistines held them in bondage. The Assyrians held them in bondage. All of the Ites, the Hittites, the Pezzarites, all of them held them in bondage. And when they said these words to Jesus right then and there on the spot, the Romans had them in bondage at that very moment. Now, that's important because you have to know this. To make a statement like that means that you are totally and utterly deceived. And the battle for our life right now is won over deception. Believing the truth versus a lie. And we have a whole society. We have young people. We have older people. You have friends. You have family members Listen to me, you know that they are deceived. And you try to share with them the truth of God's word, and they can't receive it. Why? Because they're deceived. They have believed a lie. The God of this world has blinded their minds. Totally, totally blinded. And it takes the truth of God's word to break through that deception. Jesus said, if you want to find truth, here's where it's at. If you abide in my word, then you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Deception is what we are fighting. You ever talk to somebody and just try to share with them, and you try to make it so clear, and it's just like you're saying to them, the sky's blue and the sun is orange, and they're saying back to you, no, 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 the sky is red and the sun is purple, and you're looking at them like, huh, what, how is it? Listen, I see the news of what's taking place in our society, and I think to myself, how is it that you can be so deceived? But the enemy has worked to try to take the word of God and say, no, it's not absolutely true. It is only relatively true. That's a lie. And he is a liar and he's the father of lies. And the battle for your life is this. Whenever I'm tempted to believe a lie, wherever I'm tempted to give into temptation, whenever I am, whenever I am thinking to myself that, that God's word is not true, I have to ask myself, no, no, no. Am I, am I about to believe a lie? And, 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 or do I need to understand the truth? And God has given us his word. Number one, he's given us his word so that we will not be deceived. There's two things he's given us. The first thing he's given us, he's given us his word. Deception is horrible. People who are bound by deception... It's a horrible, it's, it's worse than any disease that could ever attack a person's life. It is deception. We've never been in bondage to anyone. <laughs> You're in bondage right now. How could you say that when there's Roman soldiers on every corner telling you what you can and can't do? 
It's believing a lie. So the first thing he's given us, he's given us his word. In John chapter 17, verse number 17, Jesus said this, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. The second thing that he's given us to combat deception is this, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the other thing that he has given us. He's given us his word. He's given us this book. And for the last two weeks, we've been talking about the importance of getting back to the Bible and understanding the Bible is truth and spending time in the Word of God. And so he's given us his Word, but he's also given us the Holy Spirit. Has anybody ever read anything they they don't understand? Or am I the only person that's ever read anything I don't understand? I still read stuff I don't understand. I've been studying this book all my life. I have a degree in theology. It doesn't matter. I still read things all the time I don't understand. When I don't understand it, I have the ability to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what is this book saying? This thing's in the Old Testament. I don't get I don't get why God acted the way he acted at certain times. I don't know why he chose to do the things that he did in the Old Testament and sometimes even in the New Testament. I don't know why he doesn't just reveal himself to everyone. I don't know why he just doesn't come down and just show himself to everyone. Sometimes I question that. Sometimes I wonder. I have questions. I I wonder sometimes. But I have chosen to believe that this book is always true. And if there's things that I don't understand, I have the ability to ask the Holy Spirit Or I also understand that the fault must be in my finite thinking because this book is always true. In John chapter 16, starting in verse 12, it says this. I still have many things. This is Jesus talking to to his disciples. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, talking about the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth has come. What will he do? He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said he will take of mine and declare it to you. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, the Spirit of truth, He will take what I say, what belongs to me. He will take my word, my truth, and he will reveal it to you. So we're not helpless. We're not just left all to ourselves. We're not just sitting here going, I just wonder what this means. We can always ask, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to say to me? I'll pray and read scripture, and if I don't understand, I'll read it again, and I'll I'll pick different translations. But then at some point, I have to pray it out and say, Holy Spirit, show me the truth of what is being said here. How is it that that we've fallen so far? How is it that denominations are are choosing to to, uh, okay immoral lifestyles? How is that possible? Somehow they have strayed from the truth of God's word. And what we need is the Holy Spirit to come back into our life because the scriptures are are, are great, but we can't just use it as a study book. It's not just a history book. We also need the Holy Spirit to come and and lead and guide us into truth. And he'll do just that. In 3 John, here's what John wrote, and he says this, and man, how important is this? He said, I have no greater joy than to hear my children Walk in truth. 
John said, I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth. Listen to me, listen to me so carefully. We are in a battle. Every one of our lives are at stake. Our children, our teenagers, our young adults, there is a battle, and the battle is for truth. What is true and what is a lie? And we just have choices to make. We can either declare, yes, this book is true, and it is all true, and it is always true. Every word that is written here is true. Or we can say, you know, no, it's just relatively true. It's true some of the times, but it's open to interpretation, and we can pick, and we can choose scriptures to believe, and then we can choose scriptures not to believe. We can, we can pick and choose. You know, there's an actor out there named Ian McKellen, and he played Gandalf in all of the Lord of the Rings series. And he's been in many other movies, very popular movies. And he has this on record, and I, I watched him actually say it, that every time he goes into a hotel, he grabs a Gideon Bible and he rips out certain pages. He's a, he's a you know practicing homosexual and is open about his sexuality and he said, no, 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 I will not allow those pages to be read by anybody else. We will, we will pick and choose what we, we I allow people to read and, and in essence what I allow people to believe. And I thought to myself, I, I was so angry when I heard it and then I started to say, you know, I have to pray for him. I can't just let anger take over. That's, that's not the Christian thing to do. We have to pray, and we have to believe, and we have to love, and we have to reach out, and we have to care, right? So, but I thought, how many times have I done that in my own life? I would never physically, I would never physically rip out a page. I can't even throw a Bible away. I've got Bibles that are, I, I just can't do it. I just cannot ever, I've got Bibles falling apart. Pages, you know, torn here and there, folded, disheveled. I just can't ever throw them away. I can't throw this, this book away. I can never do it. I, I just keep them and pass them on to my children. They'll have to deal with it when I go on to see Jesus, you know. But how many times in my own life have I chosen by my actions to believe some scriptures but not others? We need to go back to declaring for us, this book is always true no matter what I say, what any preacher says, this book is always true. Never take my word for it. Always make sure that what I say lines up with this book. And everything the Holy Spirit will ever say to you will always line up with that book. I want to end with this. We were in Maine this past week spending time with, with George Imperial Motto, who attend church here. and they, uh, George plays on the worship team. They're a very faithful couple, and they spend the summer in Maine. And we're talking around the breakfast table. And George is a Vietnam vet. And so he was telling us how he got saved. He grew up in a, in a not in a Christian home, secular home. Uh, you know, had practiced a certain religion, but not, not very faithfully. And he said he went to Vietnam, and there was a Catholic priest there. And they passed out little New Testaments, just little New Testaments. And as a, not a person of faith, not a believer, he said, every time I grabbed that New Testament and I started to read it, I just started to weep uncontrollably. I just started to cry. He said, I didn't know why. I didn't know what was happening to me. All I know is this, 
every time I opened that book, I just started to cry and just started to weep. And, and then, of course, it, he got back to the States and, you know, he began his journey of faith and finally surrendered his life to God. And I thought to myself, that's the power of this book. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why this book is not like any book. How can a person in Vietnam, an ungodly person, not a Christian, not a believer, how is it possible that over there in Vietnam, just over there trying to have a good time and, and, and serve his country and, and living a very immoral life, how is it possible that he could open up a little New Testament and just start to read and all of a sudden his life, just be, his heart gripped, his life touched supernaturally? It has to be supernatural. There's no other explanation. No other book could do what this book could do. And here today, 2015, I'm telling you today, we've got to return to this book. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. We've got to come back to the truth of God's word. This book is true. It is always true. And I don't have the right to determine what is right and wrong in my life. I don't have the right to develop my own moral code. I don't have the right to say that I know good and evil and I can determine that for myself. And I'll live by my own moral code. No, no, no. I have to look to something greater than myself. I don't want to live in a society where everyone gets to choose their own morals. God has already chosen right and wrong. He's already established good and evil. And he has given us his word. His absolute truth to keep us from being deceived. To keep us from believing a lie. And I choose this book and I always choose this, choose this book and I will choose this book every day of my life. And I don't care what the government says, and I don't care what preachers on TV may say. This book is true. It is always true. I choose the Bible. If you're here today, I want to pray for you concerning my last point today, and that's this. What, outside of God's Word, or I should say in addition to God's Word, what has He given us? He's given us the Holy Spirit. If you're here today and maybe you're struggling with your Bible study, you're struggling with your devotion time, if you're here today and you've not opened up the pages of this book like you should have, if you've gotten too busy, if you're too concerned with Facebook statuses, if you've allowed the busyness of a schedule to push you away from this book, I'm here to tell you it's time to return to sitting down, removing all the different distractions in your life, waking up early, praise God, and opening this book. Getting an iPad, getting in a phone, however you can get it, the tablet. You just find yourself here, reading God's Word and allowing the truth of God's Word to keep you from being deceived or to set you free. Jesus said this, if you abide in my Word, you'll know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Can we invite the Holy Spirit one more time today? 
Father, in the name of Jesus, we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives. Would you do this with me today to help me?